I've never had anyone to talk to. You were the first person to support me, warmly accepting me, trying to understand me. I'm sorry, but it's hard to forget that. That's challenging. Um, I have no idea. Any uh, hints you can throw my way on this one? It's a movie I know you've seen. Okay. It's foreign. Okay. So you would have you would have <laughs> read that. I'm trying to think of a hint that won't give it away necessarily. All right. Uh, um, it's a woman who says it. Uh huh. It's not like Lady Snowblood, is it? No. Okay. But it is. It is that country. Okay, it is a Japanese film. Yes, and it's um, newer than that. I'm totally blanking. Um, I guess either tell me or give me another hint. It's uh, Audition. Oh, okay. Yeah, you did see that recently. Episode 18 of the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast. This is Justin. And I'm Joey. And on this episode, we're uh, learning to trust no one as we join the ranks of the French Resistance during World War II in Jean-Pierre Melville's 1969 film, Army of Shadows. Plus, I'm using Joey into the masterful work of legendary Russian director Andrei Tarkovsky by checking out his first feature film, Ivan's Childhood. All right, and just a heads up, as usual, we will discuss our full thoughts on films. So if you haven't seen one, you just skip ahead to avoid any spoilers. And if you want to be a part of the movie club, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. And at the end of each episode, we talk about what movies we're going to watch next time. So within the span of two to three weeks, hopefully you can catch up and be on the same page with us. So how you been, Joey? I've been all right, man. I can't complain too much. Um, let's see. Uh, I think since the last time we recorded, I've put my car in the shop twice. Oh, no. So that's yeah, that's been uh, that's been kind of crucial to my finances. Um, I had some money saved up because I was going on a vacation uh, in like two months, and the money for vacation is gone my tickets still bought but my money is gone so uh yeah that's trying territory yeah trying to resave for that um let's see uh i i think the last time i talked about how i'd been 
crazily playing this game called Bloodborne. So last night I mm-hmm. got the platinum trophy for that. So people who aren't pre- familiar with that on PlayStation, they have these things called trophies when you do a certain thing in the game. When you get all of them, they give you a platinum trophy because you have bronze, silver, gold, and then the platinums when you get everyone. So I finally got the platinum trophy for that. Um, and then this Sunday... Was that a DLC I saw you post on Facebook? Oh, I beat all the DLC too. That doesn't affect the platinum. Hmm. Um, so you can have the platinum for the base game and then not play any of the DLC and still have the platinum, which I have for another game, which was Spider-Man, which I did in 2018, I believe. Hmm. But so... Yeah. So no, I have, but I have this game completely 100%ed everything. Um, so. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Thinking back to our, uh, our little quote trivia, I guess the only real line I remember from that movie is, was it the kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I wanted to do something that wasn't too, uh, you know, that movie, that's a movie that needs to be watched and not really talked about. Um, I feel like oh, we yeah. talked Especially about that movie. Twist. Yeah, there's there's so much in that movie. So, shoot, yeah, I I pretty much knew what was coming in that movie, and it still like knocks my socks off. So yeah, that movie was yeah, that movie was one. fantastic. I wish we were talking about that movie, <laughs> but I won't go into that so much here. And then I've got uh, Sunday. I'm gonna go up to uh, Raleigh, and I'm going to see Kill Switch Engage. Um, we my my buddy's going. I think it's his first time seeing them. But it'll be like my fourth time seeing them. So I'm pretty stoked. I don't even know who they're playing with. He bought the tickets. He's like, we're going. But so I'm down. I'm not. Those metal bands? Yeah. Kill, Kill Switch is a, is a pretty pretty heavy band, I guess. Um, I mean, there are definitely bands that are heavier than them, but they're they're pretty heavy. Um, it probably, if you were to know them, it'd be for their cover of Holy Diver. Um. And then there are wrestling fans who know them because their song "This Fire" was a wrestler's entrance um, for quite a while as well. So, what's this big trip you uh, you got coming up? Uh, the big trip is um, my the week of my birthday. I'm gonna go leave out on May 9th, and I'm gonna come back on my actual birthday, May 6th, to go to Albuquerque um, to see my buddy Henry, who lives out there. Um, he used to work with me here in okay. Florence, but um, he's from New Mexico originally, so he moved back home in 2017. And then not that long after he moved home, he came back and visited um, for a week. And then, but we haven't seen him since like uh, the end of October 2017. So I mean, we keep in contact, like we play video games and stuff and what have you together. But like I haven't seen him since then. So I'm gonna go crash with him and his roommate and meet his roommate, who I also play video games with. Then. Um, like I told him, I was like, I'm definitely, you got to get some, you know, some authentic, uh, Mexican or Mexican ish food from out there and find some crazy ridiculous burger. Cause that's kind of my thing. Nice. And then who knows what else we'll get into, but probably yeah. not as much now as I don't have, uh, like 400 plus dollars just chilling, <laughs> waiting for the trip. So yeah, I've heard the red and green chilies are a big thing out there. Like you can yeah. even get those at like McDonald's. Yeah, green chili is a big thing out there apparently. And you've never flown before, huh? So this is, that a is. Nerve... and you're afraid yes. of heights. Yes, all of that is true. <laughs> so I mean, everyone's telling me different things. You know, uh, once it takes off, you'll be real chill. You won't even mm-hmm. notice. 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm planning, I've got a switch, which I bought specifically for this trip, um, to take with me. Um, I might take my laptop. I haven't decided on that. Or I've got a phone obviously that I can download stuff from Netflix onto my, Mm -hmm. um, my memory card to watch. Because you can watch that while you're taking off. With a laptop, you have to actually be up in the air before they let you take that out. So typically a tablet or whatever's um, probably preferred while keeping yourself distracted during takeoff. Nice. Yeah, I was I was I hadn't planned on taking my laptop, but I had I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, you know, I'm gonna be there for a week, you know. You know, if there's only like the TV in each of their rooms or something, you know, and I want something like I wanna watch something and I don't wanna just use my phone. Like it'd be cool to have my laptop because then I can at least, you know, Netflix or whatever mm-hmm. and have something to watch while I'm there. So even if I don't use the the laptop on the flight, at least I'd have it for something to do, you know, during downtime when we're not doing stuff. Because I didn't realize this until two, three days ago. And part of me says I'm dumb is that, you know, they're like between 52 and like 6,000 feet above sea level there. So, you know, they're kind of in the mountains. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah that I did not know that. makes a little bit of a difference when you're walking around. Yeah. The furthest west I've ever been is Denver back in college. And I used to fly quite a bit. I used to have a job up in Chicago where I had to go up there every month. And so I got pretty used to watching movies on planes. And there's certainly some movies you don't want to watch on a plane. Like there's this criterion called uh, Fantastic Planet, which is kind of like this trippy 70s movie where about these like aliens and little humans and stuff. And I was sitting there watching it in the airport thinking... I hope nobody looks over my shoulder because they probably think I am absolutely out of my mind watching this movie right now. So, yeah, probably don't want to watch like snakes on a plane. Um, <laughs> so, even audition for the that, that matter. All right. Uh, so, what's going on with me? So, before the show, you had noticed that you noticed my facial hair was a little darker. <laughs> it's way, way too dark. <laughs> way, way darker than I anticipated. So about a week ago, like I naturally have like dirty blonde hair. So that's essentially what my beard was, was kind of, yeah, this dirty blonde look. And I was like, man, I kind of want something a little more solid. So I bought the, uh, just for men's, um, brown. Usually I'd always get in like, like the, the darker blonde version, but this time I got the, I got the straight up brown. So I put that on and I thought that looked pretty good, but I kind of missed some spot, like the very top of my uh, mustache, I didn't quite get. And so I decided to do it again tonight. And it was only been about a couple days to a week since I last did it. And yeah, it, uh, it turned my beard black. <laughs> so, um, which is not necessarily the, the color I was going for. It's pretty unnatural for my dirty blonde hair and a black beard. So, yeah, I guess I'm a pirate right now. Yeah, your uh, your your beard color looks like mine. <laughs> minus the minus the the Tommaso Champa gray streak that I have in mine. So yeah, yeah. Is there a trick to getting it? Like, cause like I've been kind of growing this for about a year, and it doesn't really go past there. I mean, is there any trick to like getting it to get any longer? Not really. Like, <laughs> just gonna um, let it go. I just, yeah, I just let it go. And I mean, I use like beard oil um, mm-hmm. to kind of keep my skin, um, you know, from being super dry underneath. And uh, now, especially since I've started letting my hair grow out, um, I use tea tree oil, shampoo, and conditioner on both my uh, hair 
and my beard, um, which is expensive. They're twelve to fifteen dollars a bottle a piece. Yeah. But um, I mean, I have atrocious scalp issues anyway, so it help keeps those under control. And you know, it smells nice. So there's that. Um, like all the like whenever like I see like little strands here and there, like I'll clip those off because like I gotta look like sharp for work or whatever. But yeah, just I'm not sure if that would be enough to like prevent it from like getting any longer. But yeah, it seems like this is about. I mean, and this is the longest I've ever let it grow. So um, yeah, enjoying it. Other than the fact that it's black right now. I mean, so. hey, at least it's dye. It'll you know it'll it'll grow out eventually. Mm-hmm. True. Or I guess I could try shaving it and starting over all over and see if it grows in a little better. I don't know. I've never really bought into that. Every time I seems like the more you shave it just i mean it's it just makes it shorter <laughs> so um yeah there you go yeah i would i would just let it grow out nice uh did you get pick up anything in the criterion flash sale no cuz that hit like the same day or the day after i had my brakes worked on so it was mm, do i want groceries or do i want movies <laughs> <laughs> movies of course <laughs> Yeah, d- typically I've never participated in the flash sale, but since our Barnes & Nobles went out of business, um, I went ahead and canceled that membership, and I guess I'll do the flash sales from now on. And I picked up that copy of Scanners I wanted, because that's a great-looking cover, and a pretty good movie as well from Cronenberg. Got that. I finally got um, Punch Drunk Love. I had been meaning to get that for ages. Finally picked that up. And that's then... List. And then they say you got to go with a box set with these flash sales. So I finally did that and I picked up a Decalogue from um, Kislovsky. And I already saw that. I never blind buy. Well, I try not to blind buy because I don't like to get burned on that stuff. I'd rather rent it and check it out first before I purchase it. Stuff's too expensive not to own own stuff you don't want. So, um, yep. And uh, that has... Like, the version I saw online, like, the subtitles were, like, really, like, like, they flashed way too fast. So, I, like, kept having to, like, pause it and rewind it to, like, keep track of what was going on. So, hopefully, watching it on disc will be a little more comfortable. And I haven't seen, like, two, like, that's, like, just to give you some insight, that's, like, um, a 10-episode series. And each episode's, like, an hour. And then two of the episodes were extended into short movies. So I've seen one of those movies, and I still need to see the other one. So I still that'll be another good part about owning that set. Um, busy, busy, busy. Oh my gosh, this springtime's nuts. So my one son has gymnastics on Monday nights, and then after that, if like two of us are around, like he'll like catch the last half of t-ball practice, and I'll take my other son to soccer. Um, Tuesdays and Thursday nights are baseball practice. Wednesday nights are scouts slash t-ball if we can get there. And then on top of all that, we got homework. And my son really hates to do homework at, like, he, like, totally, like, slacks off and does his homework, like, as fast as possible. So he's always having to, like, redo it. And so, yeah, it's his springtime is a busy, busy, busy time of year. So, but eventually I get to watching my movies and writing my reviews. I'm pretty much cut off, cut off, uh, caught up. I don't think I've been behind on reviews since 
Like, there was a few movies I watched the beginning of last year, and I never got around to reviewing them, and finally I was just like, man, I just gotta let that go, because, like, it had been, like, a couple months, and it was to the point where if I was gonna write a review, I had to, like, flick back and watch through, like, whole parts of movies, and might as well just watch the whole movie at that point. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Glad glad I'm staying caught up on that. Uh, Have you ever been to a drive-in movie before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I lived in uh, Beaufort, they had a drive-in movie theater. And so me and my uh, ex-girlfriend would go to those all the time. Um, That's how I saw, uh, was it Pirates 5, uh, Guardians 2. I mean, it was a, a, a bunch of like the Marvel movies and stuff. Um, so we would go to those a lot. It's like Um, highway 21 or something. I, that sounds right for Buford. I don't remember, but I mean, we loved it because I mean, you would basically get to see potentially two movies. It was pretty cheap. Um, and, and then, you know, it had like a full grill. So, I mean, burgers and fries or, you know, funnel cakes. It was, I mean, yeah, it was, for basically the price of what it would cost me, like if I went to the on a date to the Swamp Fox, which is the Regal movie theater here in Florence, uh-huh. for what it would cost for me to pay for like me and a date to get into the movie theater at night is how much it would cost for both of us to get in to see two movies and eat. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. yeah, and plus you're in your car, so uh-huh. like if you want to talk, fine. You're not disturbing anybody else. You have you can control the temperature, like. Yeah. You control the volume, like it's it's pretty nice in all reality. So, yeah, we're going to that same drive-in this weekend. It's part of like this Cub Scout trip. Like, um, you know, all of us and the Cub Scout families are going down there and camping at the theater and you know watching those movies and taking advantage all that stuff you were talking about. I'm thinking we're gonna see Onward. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's a new Pixar movie. And I, I kind of want to see this um, Harrison Ford movie, Into the Wild. I've heard mixed things about it. But I think the other option is this new, like, um, what's that wrestler that was in um, Guardians? Dave Batista. Brock? Oh, Batista. I think Batista's in this new, scroll, this new um, like, little girl spy movie thing. So that might, I might yeah, end up having to right. watch that. Um, either way, I'm sure it'll be a good time. So, looking forward to going my first uh, drive-in movie this weekend. Oh, dude, um, I think you'll enjoy it. Very nice. Hopefully, we'll get good weather. And then I was thinking about because, like, so basically, my my ritual is like I'll post a review on Letterbox like late at night, and then the next morning I'm always excited to see like how many people like my post or whatever, and then I'll go through and I'll like their post back. And so today I was scrolling through like my likes and I, I forget what movie it was, but somebody liked this movie, like, like one of my original reviews essentially. And so like, it kind of got me thinking about like the cool thing about letterbox is like, you'll scroll through your diary and like, you could probably scroll through like all your movies from last year and like by you, like having written something about each one, you kind of have a memory of maybe when you saw it or, you know, just stuff about it in general, which is kind of cool. And so I thought a uh, cool thing I could, and you can do this on your letterbox now if you want, but I wanted to see what movie I watched about a year ago uh, today. And I didn't see a, a, a movie a year ago today, but the but a year ago today is about the time when I saw um, Before uh, Midnight from 
the before trilogy from Richard Linklater. So it's kind of crazy. It's been about a year since I've seen that. And I also saw this uh, Jean-Luc Godard film called uh, Contempt, which that's actually one of my favorite um, Jean-Luc films. So um, see what you... You pulling it up now? Mm. Uh, I've never seen... Yeah, never even not even familiar with those. Um, but are you pulling have, up? You're pulling. I'm going you, there now. You're going to your diary. Okay, I'll keep talking yeah. while you're pulling that up. Um, and I know I'm not going to get to these movies in the um, good, the bad, and the ugly segment. So, uh, yeah, just a few nights ago, watch Birds of Prey, which is the new Harley Quinn movie. Thought it was a pretty good time. Didn't really care about the other Birds of Prey characters, but. Uh, Margot Robbie's amazing as that character. It's a darn shame we're never going to see like, like Harley Quinn and the Joker against Batman movie because they totally dropped the ball on like what Joker was in Suicide Squad apparently. So um, yeah, that's not going to happen. But yeah, Birds of Prey. It's a good time. And then um, this this is so Doctor Sleep was like one of my favorite movies of last year. I love The Shining. I thought Doctor Sleep was a cool little addition to that. And so I got the Doctor Sleep 4K disc, and I was really excited to see the director's cut. And I popped the 4K disc in, and the director's cut is like nowhere to be seen. And so then I go and look at the Blu-ray, and there's the director's cut. So in order to watch the director's cut, you have to watch the Blu-ray instead of the 4K, which is crazy because, I mean, I spent extra money on this 4K steelbook, you know, to watch Doctor Sleep, director's cut, 4K, and yeah, that doesn't exist. So that's kind of frustrating, especially the director's cut is like really really nice because it kind of felt like a whole new movie with like how much more was added in there's like a whole 30 minutes more and unlike batman versus superman that 30 minutes actually felt like it needed to be in there so there you go well two things there um i think the they probably did the director's cut on blu-ray because that's still more accessible to more people than 4k currently Mm -hmm. and um i'm sorry that you went back and watched the director's cut of batman versus soups (laughs) <laughs> um, a lot of people apparently say that that fixes that movie, but I'm not going to waste my time watching it. Um, okay. That movie has it, no business being three hours long. <laughs> so so um, one year ago today on March 10th, I did not watch anything. Okay. But one year ago, and I didn't watch anything on the 9th, but one year ago tomorrow, uh-huh. I watched Captain Marvel. Oh, I, I, watched, I watched that in the same time span as well. Very cool. Yeah, it's like it came out in theaters or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So I don't. I don't think I saw it right away. I think I saw it like the following week or whatever. But I think um, I saw it on Monday after it came out. Nice. Which would make sense that one year ago. Yeah, I think that's about right. Or maybe Tuesday, because that's when we like we try not to go to the Marvel movies like the day they come out. That being said, mm-hmm. on March May first, so I guess April thirtieth, my ass will be in the theaters to watch Black Widow. If I'm by myself, I don't care. I'm going opening day. I'm just going to point that out. All right, continue along with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to make a new game where, like, we took turns, like, deciding what kind of uh, uh, adult beverages we would have on this show, like, um, picking back and forth. But then I found out that uh, Joey has a very limited palate when it turn, comes to uh, the sweet drinks that he likes to partake in. But tonight we are both drinking uh, Red's Wicked Apple Ale. It would be nice if this show was sponsored by that, but 
I don't feel like putting any effort into that. So there you go. I mean, maybe someone will listen or, you know, point that out that, you know, hey, we threw them out and, you know, threw them up and they want to sponsor us. That'd be dope. But yes, I don't I don't drink very often mm-hmm. and I don't drink very much. Um, like, But when I do, it is usually. Yes. <laughs> yes. So like when I talked about that trip earlier, when I said it was my birthday <laughs> and it will be my friend's birthday. Yeah, it will be. We will. Um, yeah, it will be, it will be a lot. So tonight it's not also seeing as, you know, we're recording this at 11 o'clock at night and I'm going to have to get up at seven 30 in the morning. I don't think I need to be partaking in a lot of alcohol. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, okay. You'll manage. You're single. <sighs> it's not that out. I'm, I'm single. It's that I'm, you know, in my thirties, I'm not a young buck anymore. <laughs> also, if Nick and Matt Jackson want to sponsor this, um, go young bucks. I'm not sure what that reference is. No, you're not, but it's fine. I am. It's okay. (laughs) All righty. So that leads us into our movie night pick'em game, and I believe it's my turn, right? I believe so. That sounds right. Okay. And so I wanted to go with something epic tonight. So I'm not sure. I don't. I'm pretty sure you haven't seen one of these movies, and I'm not sure about the other. But these are both really long movies. So get your uh, Google ready, just to see if you want to do any reading on these before I announce them. So the first one, okay. So would you rather watch the Human Condition Trilogy or Lawrence of Arabia? Okay. Well, it seems I've never heard of the Human Condition Trilogy, or at least by not, not, not by that name. And Lawrence of Arabia is on a watch list of mine as that I want to watch it. I will pick Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Um, um, plus, I mean, it's an all-time classic. It won like a gazillion awards. Hell, it probably just won an award while we were talking. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. I did throw the Human Condition trilogy out there. Um, you've heard of Harry Carey before, right? Yes, I've heard of Harry Carey. That's the same director. And um, basically, the Human Condition is like three two-hour films, I think. Um, so a real long epic there. But yeah, it's all about like... Japan during World War Two, I think. Um, it's on my watch list. Um, been watching a lot of big epics the last couple of years, and that's going to be one of the next ones I check out. So I thought the Japanese thing might um, lure you one way, but it's hard to argue with uh, Lawrence of Arabia. All right. Yeah. All right. Now it's time to listen, figure out what we've been, uh, check out what we've been watching lately, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, Joey, what do you got tonight? All right, so I'm going to have the disappointing, uh-huh. the surprising, and the amazing. Okay, let's hear about your surprising. Surprising was La Femme Nikita. Okay. Um, That's a TV show, right? Well, it, it, well there's two. <laughs> there's actually La Femme Nikita, Nikita, but they're all based off of La Femme Nikita. Um, which is a Luke Besson movie. So, you know, fifth element, Lucy, um, and so he just tends to make an Anna, which I have not seen, but, um, he tends to make movies where he's like, yo, I got this badass chick kicking people's asses and that's my wheelhouse. And, uh, so it was in French, of course. And 
you know, it's from 1990, so it doesn't have some of the, you know, some of the cooler stuff that today's movies have. But, you know, I was expecting just a, all right, just kind of a shoot 'em up movie, which it does have a lot of that in it. Um, and he, it just kind of surprised me as it had a little bit more to it than that. Um, you know, there were some plot points and different stuff that I wasn't really expecting. And it had a little cameo from Leon, um, I okay. guess before he was uh, Leon in it before he was the professional which another luke besson movie uh, and uh so the more i see of this man's movies the more i want to see so just yeah have you seen what his latest movie um gosh what is it even called um something in a thousand planets or something um I, I think i've literally named all the ones i've seen I've definitely seen he did Fifth Element, you said, yeah. Yeah. What was his latest movie? He spent like all this money and it like bombed super hard. Oh, Valerian and the City of I'm like, that's like the backdrop of his IMDB. What is this movie called? Um Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, yeah. So Yeah, that was his latest one. Um yeah, I've had uh, Leon the Professional on my shelf for the longest time. I don't think I've ever seen that movie all the way through because I rented that one time at Blockbuster on DVD. And we watched it like we were watching it and like all of a sudden in the climax, like it started like scrambling like crazy. And then it like jumped to the end. And that's what I've seen of Leon. So I should probably give that one a fair shake and uh, watch it uh, all the way through one of these days on my 4K I have sitting on my shelf waiting to be watched. For for the record, Valerian is not his most recent movie. Anna came out, or Anna came out last year. Okay. Valerian came out in 2017, and Anna's just another. I'm a another. It's another chick spy kicking ass movie. So, okay. All right, my three are All Hail Scorsese. Um, oh my God, Joey, I did it again. And if 2000 wasn't, and if 2001: Space Odyssey was an action movie. All right, so let's do All Hail Scorsese. Okay, so I watched two Scorsese movies in the period between our shows, and one was clearly better than the other, and that would be Raging Bull, which I just watched a few days ago. Um, in high school, I got on a big kick of watching like the all-time great movies and like going to Blockbuster and renting them, and I didn't remember a lot about Raging Bull, and rewatching it, oh my gosh, De Niro! It's this is probably De Niro and Pesci's like best performance. Um, it's kind of like an anti-Rocky movie with how like it like crams like the whole story of this boxer from like his championship days in the ring to him being like a, this complete scumbag at home, and he's like this complete paranoid like freak um, at home like. His wife will say like one thing like, oh, I want a cheeseburger. He's like, well, why'd you talk my wife into making, uh, having a cheeseburger? And he's just like so paranoid and such an asshole. And like it, man, this movie was getting to me. Like once like he got to the point where he was like smacking her around and oh, it was, it was, it was tough to watch, but it was so like visceral, like those moments and like the boxing, how the boxing was like all up in your face. Um, if you haven't seen uh, Raging Bull, like De Niro, totally deserved that Oscar win. That's a great, great, great performance. The other Scorsese movie I watched, I rewatched Casino, which 
I had I now have strong opinions about like I I'm now considering like Scorsese's gangster trilogy to be Goodfellas, Casino, and um his latest one, The Irishman. And I'm kind of under the impression now the longer Scorsese goes with a gangster movie, the more it kind of just kind of it gets a little bit too big to manage. It like goes on a little bit too long and kind of like loses its luster towards the end. Um, that's not exactly the case with Irishman, but um, yeah, Casino. Like I really love like all the in all the in Casino um, parts where like they're t- talking about how it works. But then like in the last half hour, it's just about this like relationship falling apart, and it just kind of like goes on and on and on. At the three hour mark, I think it is where Goodfellas, I believe, is about two twenty, which is this spot on perfect even that kind of starts to spiral at the end but in a, a more logical way which i kind of came to see the last time i watched it so um yep that's a that's me spewing scorsese so um so what movie was disappointing for you um that was the jay and silent bob reboot okay now i wasn't expecting this to be a masterwork in cinema or you know anything of that nature. It's no raging bull. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's no raging bull. It's no The Departed, etc. But, um, you know, having watched like every Kevin Smith movie and enjoying them for the most part, except for Cop Out, a piece of trash. Um, <laughs> to be fair, that's not a written and directed by Kevin Smith. But I digress. Anywho, um. You know, I was I was big excited. I was actually supposed to go and watch this at one of the meet and greets, you know, the Q and A's, and just it fell through, and I wasn't able to do that. But you know, I so I it came up. I ordered it. Ended up, you know, took a little while to get to watch it, and you know, just maybe maybe with the influence of all these new, insanely great movies I've been watching, or maybe because I'm you know, not 15 anymore, you know, the jokes just didn't hit the same, et cetera. Now they, they hit the throwbacks, you know, to pretty much the whole VSQ universe. I think they might've done a few too many, or maybe there was, there were some scenes where it felt like it was just one right after the another, where maybe it was too many in a row, uh-huh. et cetera. But like Chris Jericho had a, had a cameo. That was great. Ben Affleck had a cameo. Um, which of course was great. I mean, he's a big part of USQ. Um, and then Thor himself was in there in a cameo, which was also really great. But then there was just some um, other parts where it's just uh, the movie itself was. So was it worse? Like when, I mean, how would you compare it to like yoga hosers? Oh, I love yoga hosers. Yoga okay. hosers was great. So yoga hosers was silly. And like it knew yeah, it was silly. That one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and granted, this movie knew it was silly, but I think it it was self-aware that it was silly, but it was like, hey, I know I'm silly, and I want you to know that I know that I'm silly, and I want you to know, be aware that, that it's silly, and know that I 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 know, and it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we, we, we got it. Like, too you're much in on the joke. Nod, nod. <laughs> yeah, it was like a little bit too much of it, which mm-hmm. Jay and Silent Bob had some of that too, but I think it, it hit like the right amount maybe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I also watched that movie twenty years ago. So, oh, I don't remember enjoying that one that much. Um, I think Clerks is still probably my favorite. Um, 
The only one I can remember actively not liking was Red State. It's Red State, right? Yeah, no, see, that one I liked. But, you know, of his, like, View Askew stuff, or I guess his, not necessarily even View Askew, but, like, his comedies, like, it, I think Clerks 2 and Zack and Mary are his, are his best ones. Interesting. All right, so I have OMG and uh, 2001. 2001. Okay. So I finally got around to seeing Ad Aster, which was um, Brad Pitt's um, big sci-fi movie. It was all right. It was just the fact that, like, it was just trying to be like 2001. And I don't know. I, I'm sure you can do a space exploration movie and then not feel just like 2001. I mean, that's, that's possible, right? Right. Um, there's a killer baboon in space. Um, I mean, there's some good action scenes. Like, they go to, like, oh gosh, I think it's the moon. And they're like, man, it's the Wild Wild West out there. And they get in their little moon buggies. And all of a sudden, these space pirates come chasing after them. Um, oh, it also felt a lot like Apocalypse Now. Like, a lot of people who trash this movie will be like, man, there was just way too much, like, um, narration, like, throughout. It just wasn't needed. It wasn't needed. I didn't have a problem with it. But it did remind me of the fact that it's from a better movie, Apocalypse Now. Um, I mean, it was all right. I guess I was just expecting it to be a little bit more cerebral than it was. It just was kind of like a straightforward like sci-fi flick that was trying to be 2001, where I thought it was going to be a little bit more special than that. Um, so yeah, that's Ad Aster in a nutshell. So there's a killer monkey in space. Like, was it also 12 monkeys? Like, <laughs> yeah, they there... they're just like, do you mind, sir, if we check out this uh, this spaceship in the just floating here? It's like, yeah, no, no, we can't check it out. And then they check it out anyways, and there's a killer baboon on it, and for no reason. Was I, Bruce I, I, there? <laughs> I guess it might have been a metaphor. <laughs> I don't know. Nope, no Bruce Willis. Just um, who's the other actor in that? Tommy Lee Jones is in it, and yeah, Brad Pitt. So, all right. Um, what was your last category? Uh, you were impressed. Impressed, amazing, fantastic, whatever uh, adjective you want to put there. That's okay. All of those things, um, which was audition. Um, okay. And you've talked about this movie once on a previous episode, I think, in the same category or in the same. Yeah, and the same thing, good, bad, ugly. And uh, okay. so for the, for the sake, like you know, we said earlier, you don't really want to talk about this movie too much. It's going into this movie blind is the best way to go into this movie, in my opinion. Because even though you had talked about it previously, by the time I got around to watching it, all I remembered was you said this movie was fantastic. I had completely forgotten what you had even said about it. <laughs> um, I, think I, I think that goes duo for me with um, I Saw the Devil. But continue. <coughs> um. So just movie is great. Um, I recommend that everybody should watch this movie. Just I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm just going to tell you to watch it. It's fantastic. Watch it blind. Be prepared uh, to read. So if you need glasses or anything like that, bring those and watch it. You can get it from Arrow um, because that's how we watched it because my roommate Carl had it from the Arrow collection. And yeah, that's all you need to know. It's fantastic. Just, yeah, boom. So does that mean a, a Takeshi Miike movie is in this box? We will see. Coming up, because Joey mm. likes to link his uh, cha- his quote movies to his uh, his uh, challenges. So y- yes, you. We have an unboxing. Start. 
yeah, so survive for these next two Criterion movies we're going to talk about and you'll find out what's in the box. Mm. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, so good. All right, my last one is, oh my God, Joey, I did it again. And I watched another three-plus-hour movie that was a sent to most people would bore the hell out of their entire skull, make them want to crack it on a bathtub, which we see this woman in this movie clean for probably 20 minutes. Okay, so I watched the notorious Gene Dillman 23 Quadu comments 1080 Brussels. Okay, so this is like an acclaimed feminist film. And so the gist is we see this woman go through her day-to-day chores for three days. And we so we watch her slowly, her OCD slowly start to crack and come apart and fray. Um, I'm so glad I knew this was going to be a three-hour movie about a woman doing chores. So I was, I was mentally prepped for that. Came in and it's almost hip- hypnotic. Like there's there's like this scene where like she cracks these eggs and she takes this meat and she starts kneading it and she makes a meatloaf and it goes on for like probably 15 minutes making meatloaf and i'm sitting there like do i look at the meatloaf do i look at her expression as she's making the meatloaf and it's 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 a trip um you know it's kind of like this once in a lifetime kind of movie you kind of sit down and experience um i'll probably watch it again eventually but um some, pra- some crazy stuff happens at the end, uh, so it is worth the ride. Um, but yeah, just just imagine a three a three hour plus movie about a woman doing chores with OCD and like how she's kind of like totally like cut off from the world because like her husband died. So um, you just chew on that for a second and eventually check it out on uh, the Criterion Channel under their um, Art House Essential Collection. So there you go. So I've seen, uh, and it reminded me a lot of that Set and Tango movie I was telling you about a few episodes ago, where like shots would just go on and on and on. And where Set and Tango, it was like, it was almost hilarious because it's like, okay, would you end already? But they're just still going, going, going. Like, well, that was kind of funny. Like watching this lady go on and on and on with her chores, it was actually kind of sad. So they had a kind of a different feel to it. So. So that's my uh, second big classic epic of the year. Who knows before the end, maybe I'll get to that Human Condition trilogy. We shall see. We shall see. And this doesn't sound like a... So Joey, will you ever watch Gene Dillman? Um, like part of it, like there's the part of me like, you know, it sounds interesting in theory. Yeah, it's probably way more interesting to talk about than to actually suffer through. <laughs> if it was... If you were like, yo, it's an hour and a half or two hours, you maybe like three hours. And I'm just like 320. Yep. Oh, it's a beast. Mm. It's a beast. I think I would rather drink beast ice than than watch that. And beast (laughs) ice is gross. Yeah, this is I don't mind Milwaukee's best. Um, It's been a long time since I drank it, but um. And, and, and granted, I did break this up over like three nights. So like I watched like an hour, I stopped. I watched an hour, I stopped. So I didn't watch all at all in one one go through. I didn't cheat. I still got it through. I, I wrote a kick-ass review on it. Check it out on Letterboxd. Moving on. I mean, I might would have to do that. 
I almost wanted to do that for this movie that we're about to talk about. Um, and like, fair warning, I think you're going to do all of the talking. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully I'll, I'll tee you up for something at least. Okay. So our movie club pick of the week is um, Army of Shadows by, we had mentioned it earlier, Jean-Pierre Melville, Melville which is uh, Spine 385 in the Criterion Collection. So I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here and say when I was making my movie club list over a year ago, um, I might have mentioned this before, but I was essentially picking it based off of like acclaimed directors where they had like these movies that not everybody really talks about all the time. Um, So they kind of got pushed down my list and pushed down my list. And um, I just wanted like an excuse to finally watch them. So that's basically what I comprised all my... um, my movie club list based on uh, not so much like what you the viewers might think were the most interesting movies out there for us to go check out um, thankfully hopefully our challenge movies have um, kind of incorporated some of those in as well and I mean some of our movie club picks have panned out to be um, some pretty awesome stuff I mean you have some all-time bangers on your list um, reminiscing back um, I think my favorite well we can get into our favorites um, in our season finale but yeah, there's some good ones on there. But then we're going to have an episode like tonight where you just watch a movie and it's just like, it didn't really click with me. Um, okay. So getting back on track here. All right. So Army of Shadows. Um, first of all, like I think I was really attracted to this just based off of how cool the name sounds, like Army of Shadows. That's a badass sounding name. Um you look at the, t- the the cover or whatever, and it's this guy, like, handcuffed to a chair, which looks pretty, um, you know, intense. And I just happened to look at the cover the last couple of days, and I noticed there's, like, a, a swastika under the chair, which is a really great touch. I think next month Criteria, Criterion is, like, reissuing this movie because it went out of print. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there. Um. It kind of harkens back to our very first episode. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Ashes and Diamonds has the really cool cover, and it's another World War, you know, post World War II movie. I guess this wasn't this one isn't post, but it was post. And you got the guy with the gun and all of that, and he has a really yep. dope looking cover. And yeah, <laughs> but is there more memorable moments in ashes and diamonds or army of shadows i might i would probably have to go with ashes and diamonds i i I honestly concur i think um off the top of my head like the most i have like three memorable moments from this movie and Mm -hmm. one of them was one of them was ruined because the player froze and i had to fast forward it and i missed it no (laughs) yeah and it was because it was actually i was like oh my god this is actually a really beautiful shot and then it froze (laughs) oh no um, so before this, the only other Melville movie I had watched is Lay Samurai. Um, Same. So I guess I knew what I was getting into. Like people would say, like on online, we'll say like Lay Samurai is like the bee's knees. This movie is so awesome because it is. I watched it, and he does some cool samurai kind of stuff in it. But man, it's it's slow and quiet, and it's. Just like Army of Shadows, but Army of Shadows is way more long, slow, and quiet than Lay Samurai. So, in comparison, I think Lay Samurai is pretty good compared to this. But at the time, I was a little underwhelmed with how people uh, hype up Lay Samurai. Anything Let else? me tell you. 
Okay. Let me tell you, I will watch Los Samurai 100 times out of 100 times over Army of Shadows. Just over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> till my eyes are bleeding before I pick Army of Shadows. Like, just that's not even a question. Uh-huh. Um, just, yeah. That dude was a badass. The cover art's cool. He's cool. Like, like he was the baddest dude in the whole damn town. Like, Leroy Brown wishes he was as cool <laughs> as that guy. Just going to throw that out there. He looked exactly the same as some of these other trench coat wearing folks in Army of Shadows, didn't he? Yeah. He which I good. guess I guess Melville's really into these like French gangster flicks, which I guess was supposed to bleed off into Army of Shadows. All right, so I guess what I want to get to is the fact that yeah, this is like one of the most disappointing criterions I've watched. Um, I go on Letterbox and like everybody's saying like. This is so awesome. I, I, I love this film so much. And it's probably because people that have I don't want to I don't know how to describe the people who say this movie's awesome, but um, I'm about to get into how this movie is described. So after watching this movie, I did sit through all two hours and twenty minutes again and listen to the commentary just to get some perspective on what this is all about. And between reading about Melville's um, Army of Shadows and listening to it, here are some of the things you'll hear uh, are so wonderful about this movie. Um, he channels exquisite minimalism, uses cerebral long takes and silence. Um, uh, oh, my favorite's the fact that you know, restrained is this common word you hear with his movies. Um, so, for instance, like the commentary had pointed out, there was the torture scene. And instead of showing the torture, they show after the torture. And they say that is to avoid the melodrama, instead focus on the moral issues. Like, I get where like some people are like, oh, it's way more effective if like... We see the result of something than actually seeing it take place because we can imagine something so much more worse than what actually happened. And, okay, I disagree. Um, because I'll watch a movie like I Saw the Devil and I'll see like a guy's face get totally smashed. And that's about as extreme as I can imagine. And I'm seeing it and it's blowing my socks off. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get where subtlety can definitely add to a film and, like, nuanced performances and all that. That's fine. But I'm much more of a person that likes things like... I, I, I much prefer a punch in the gut than to, like, really... And I like I like contemplative stuff as well. So it's kind, of a fi, it's kind of a fine line. It just has to be done, like, in an engaging way. And we'll probably get to that more with Ivan's Childhood later because that movie engages me a whole lot more than this. But because it actually gives you something to chew on where Army of Shadows was basically just like guys walking around France, like being paranoid. Um, it's very subdued colors because of the paranoia of the movement. I mean, we haven't even really talked about what this movie is about yet. So maybe we should do that. Well, so the the scene with the torture or I guess the lack there of the scene of the torture. So uh -huh. Yes, that, that, that whole idea of, you know, not showing something because our imagination can come up with something so much worse is, okay, that works in some scenes and other times, yes, you want something like I Saw the Devil 
or you know something of that nature where it hits you. So I feel that in this movie specifically, if they had shown the torture there because of how much they hadn't shown anything else in this whole movie, like how much harder would that have hit you? That this movie that hadn't really shown anything, all of a sudden they show this man being tortured, especially mm-hmm. when you, you've seen the movie cover you see him sitting in that chair because that made me sit up. I was like, oh, shit, it's the movie cover. Like, that's that's this iconic scene. Something's about to go down. Mm-hmm. And then it was flipping nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, they had, they had come out with something, and then it was just, it, it, no. And, like, I feel like that if they had shown us anything, they had shown us them, them putting some, you know, like like some something under his nails, they had been being cut, punching him, anything, anything mm. other than mocking just, him, even. Yeah, something, anything, calling him a French pansy, whatever. Nah, just 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 nothing. And it was, it was really disappointing. Like, like I like I knew nothing of this movie really, other than I knew that you weren't super thrilled with it going into it, but I don't really take that too much into account because <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of Tarantino, a lot of times our, our, our tastes super vary. So, and, and you didn't like La Samurai. So I was like, all right, well, La Samurai is super dope. So whatever, I'm not going to super go into, he didn't enjoy it super much. And like I said in my review, like 10 minutes in, not even 10 minutes. And I was like, Oh my God, this movie is so effing boring. So, which I'll, I'll, I'll always try to avoid saying that because I don't want to seem like the movie has to entertain me, but it's, it's really not giving you a lot. I got really excited. I think it was about 20 minutes in, like the main character like snatches this knife and like jabs oh, yeah. this Nazi guy in the neck. And I'm like this. OK, now we're going. And then he runs down the street and kind of hides and then it kind of goes back to the same thing. Yeah, that was one of the scenes I was like, okay, that's a cool scene. That like he takes a dude's knife, stabs him in like the bottom of the jaw, and I was like, all right, this is dope. And then I don't have another cool scene for like, like I paused it at an hour one and a half. Point, <laughs> and I think I paused it at like an hour and a half, and I was like, I still have an hour in this movie, and I wanted to just not keep watching the movie. <laughs> When a uh, a submarine comes up out of nowhere to take him to London as a highlight of your movie, um, there's probably not enough not enough oh, highlights. That's how we got to London. I completely missed that. I didn't even know how the hell they ended up in London. I'm not even gonna front with you. I was like, how the fuck are they in London right now, dude? Like, I was just like, oh, they're in London because it's World War Two. Okay, sure. I I knew there was a sub because they had talked about the sub and I saw the sub. But I didn't know that's how they got to London. I, I was so checked out. I'm not even going to front with you. <laughs> All right. So on Wikipedia, it says, uh, so Army of Shadow follows a small group of resistant fighters as they move between safe houses, work with the allied um, military militaries, kill informers, and attempt to invade and capture, evade and capture the execution that they know is their most likely fate while patrolling. Portraying its character as heroic, the film presents a bleak, unromantic view of the resistance. Um, yeah, to say the, the least. Apparently, Melville was actually a part of the, like the French resistance, and it, it's kind of funny that this movie like definitely shines like a more of a negative light on like the French people. 
um, and watching it back a little bit, it is kind of humorous. Um, so you have that scene where the German marching band is like playing in front of the the Arc de Triomphe or whatever. You remember that part? I mean, it's the first scene of the movie. How could you not, right? You weren't checked out yet. Oh, it was the very first scene? Okay, yeah, 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 okay. So, so we're talking about somewhere in the middle, and I was like, nope. <laughs> actually, apparently a factoid about that scene is the fact that they did want that at the very end of the movie, but then they changed it to the very beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, you kind of get from that that um, you know the Germans like marching and playing victoriously in front of like France's most sacred icon um, or one of their most sacred monuments is definitely like a spit in their face. Ashes and Diamonds, you had said, like, maybe I'm not just getting this because of the historical conf- context. And I, and at the time, I thought there was enough in that movie to where you could actually enjoy it without knowing all that stuff. I mean, I did a lot of reading afterwards, so I guess I kind of did know that stuff. But I guess what I'm getting at is the fact that um, I guess there is a little bit more historical context you can pull from this movie in particular. So, like, I remember learning about... Uh, France during World War II in school and apparently like the French like you know they fought valiantly in World War I against the Germans and then like when World War II came around they wanted no part of it um, you were a big history guy right? Yeah 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 I mean I was big back then like I'm, I'm a little rusty on it now because I had to do it as much but you know also at that point I mean the Blitzkrieg was in full effect and you know Hitler had like rolled through Poland and, and Czechoslovakia and Austria and um, I think by the time he got to France, you know, France was just like, yeah, no, we don't really want any part of this. And then um, there's just kind of like a, a government kind of set up in place because, you know, Germany was like, hey, we got to fight everybody because everybody wants to kill us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Hitler, you know, had this bloodlust for his perfect race and, you know, all this, that and the other. So. So with listening to a, f- a little bit about this, um, I came to find. So, yeah, I didn't know a whole lot about, like, what France was during the war. Um, I mean, other than the fact that, like, the Allies went through there, like, Nor- um, Normandy Beach and all that stuff. But um, apparently what the Germans did is they set up this other government to kind of, like, rule, like, um, with them in favor. And then you had this resistant movement that was, like, doing espionage to, like, tip the Allies off on what Germany was doing. And so that's a basically what these um, this army of shadows and it's basically yeah, these people um, working covertly to like work against Germany. And I mean, it's not like they're going and blowing up bridges or like assassinating people. It's more of just like talking in rooms, walking down streets and occasionally like offing one of their own because they don't trust them anymore. Does that sound about right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they definitely were super paranoid, especially by the end um, with the, oh God, I can't remember the lady's name. Yep, I know you're talking about. She's the yeah. last one to go. Well, she's the last one to show in the film, yeah. And they, she's the one who saved, she saved so many of them. But, you know, they get leverage on her and then, oh, well, she's begging for us to kill her. And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, so highlights the film. Um, yeah, when they're watching sound and uh, not sound and music, they're watching because that would that's a uh, World War II based film. They were watching Gone with the Wind. That was a good time in London. Yeah, I, I noticed that and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Um, I had forgotten that until you said that. Um, 
The other highlight, another highlight for me is there's a scene where they're standing like they're all the like tunnel? eating. No, oh, no, it's like they're they're overlooking a city. Okay. And it's just this really this gorgeous, a gorgeous shot. I I assumed it was like Mar- Marseille or Paris, but my this is where it froze, and I had to fast forward, and it was you know, boom, it was over. And then my other highlight was like the last shot of the movie. So, did you watch this on the Criterion Channel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I found that Chrome doesn't work the best on Criterion Channel. Like I'll use Safari. And it seems to be a little better, so I'm not sure which browser you use. Oh, I use the Criterion Channel app on Firestick. Oh, there you go. No browser whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mentioned it's very moody, moodily lit. Um, let's see here. I guess I want to... I think probably the most memorable scene is like... I guess they get captured and they get put in like this tunnel thing and there's like these German machine gunners like at the very end and they start shooting at him and the main character's like, no, I don't want to move. But then eventually he has to start moving and we find out this this machine gunner like has the worst aim in the world because he has this Gatling gun and yet he cannot hit anybody in this tunnel. And then the guy like somehow escapes out the, the ceiling from these people that are just happen to be there to rescue him. So that was convenient. Yeah, um, like, and then she, the girl holds his hand or whatever, and she has a wedding ring that she didn't have before, so, like, I don't know if she, Hmm. like, or maybe it was there before and I didn't notice, but, like, the way that they positioned their hands, I was like, like, I'm supposed to be paying attention to her wedding ring, but, you know, at that point, I was like, "Mm, I I don't really care, (laughs) but I I felt like that at all, um, and another thing I noticed was they were in remember they went to go pick up the guy who got tortured and like rescue him mm-hmm. and he died and she was standing outside mm-hmm. and she saw the leader guy, you know, he's a wanted and she's like, you need to go hide into hiding. You're wanted. And she immediately leaves the restaurant. Couldn't have missed the cops by more than two seconds or the, I guess the, not the cops, but the Gestapo yeah. and, uh, well, maybe the French like, police working under the Germans or whatever. He, I, actually, I think, I think they said they were Gestapo, but I don't remember whatever the, the the people the police whatever and then they just walk in and they're like we're arresting this whole this whole restaurant like two seconds later and I'm like all right that was also super convenient like the most convenient thing in the history of the world convenient which I, is what led to where he was in there when they're like we're going to give you like a five a however long head start to run before we start shooting with a machine gun and then all of a sudden there were smoke bombs and he was you know blah blah blah, that blah. Was pretty much instant. <laughs> Um, and I think other than the main character, like I didn't really, I couldn't really keep track of who was who in the resistance. Like I never, there was some guy named Bacon, right? Or something. uh, I'm not even sure. I couldn't keep any of them straight. So like whenever they did get offed, like, it's not like it had this big impact on me because I barely knew who they were. I guess the woman, um, I mean, I definitely recognized her, but then like, yeah, the the last shot is them like gutting her down, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, I guess. By. Yeah, I think if I would have been able to connect with some of these characters a little more, I might have been got. I might have gotten into it more, but gosh, so much of it seems like a blur, like between like kind of what we remember of them just kind of walking around and talking, and then a few of these um, 
highlights and then them like saying, oh, you know, this is supposed to be minimalism where you're not supposed to see things because it's so realistic. And I mean, give me bombastic stuff all day long over like plain, simple existence because I go to the movies to like see some stuff and if I can live my own life. So I know that's an extreme opinion, but and I and I do like seeing realistic things in movies sometimes some kind I mean like for example like the movie eighth grade like when I watched that I mean it did remind me of how brutal it is to go through eighth grade and so that hit me at a gut level but like I don't know I just couldn't connect with like how minimal this was with this whole espionage effort with these resistance people um I mean the cyanide pills that was kind of interesting to see I mean they were all about chewing those up as soon as possible if they got caught, right? Yeah, except for then some people didn't have them, and then, like, I don't even, like, I, I don't even know, man. Like, I'm just, this this one was, like, just a, just a complete dud for me, just <laughs> honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm just over it. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear, you know, like, in the comments, if, like, this movie really connects with you, I'd love to hear... Like why, like what characters you like, why you liked it, what they said that really brought you in. But yeah, I think for the most part, me and Joey really didn't connect um, with this, with what was going on in this so-called war movie, realistic war movie. I mean, I mean, yeah, if they were, I don't know, I think we've said it all. Um, I did, I did really actually like the score, like after I finished the commentary, like I was listening to like the piano um, theme during the credits and that that has a real nice sad sound to it which was kind of nice but um i don't think i would have noticed it unless i you know listened to it all over again so i kind of have a hard time rating this one because i know how acclaimed it is but it really i mean i didn't hate it but at the same time i didn't enjoy it either so i would probably have to go with two and a half stars i mean i gave it two just because there was nothing there's nothing enjoyable about it, but you know, I definitely watched the last year was the year of like schlocky movies for me. So I know it's definitely not as bad as those, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, no, I couldn't, I, I'm falling asleep thinking about it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now to our challenge movie. Um, and last week. And so, um, or last time I recommended, um, Ivan's childhood to you from a random sorter because I did want to introduce you to Tarkovsky because he's one of my favorite directors very artsy director so I wasn't exactly sure like so so he's a little bit like Lynch in the fact that like I've seen all of Lynch's films and like I have an idea of where I think people should start like watching them because Lynch, Lynch can go like off the deep end now Tarkovsky can get like really really artsy and so a lot of times people do say that Ivan's childhood is the best way to get into his films. And I pretty much agree. Um, now, it's not the first, my first Tarkovsky film, but um, it was one of the early ones I watched. Now, this movie is also very minimalistic in terms of the story. It's a very simple story, but at least there's like a real strong theme. And there's a lot to chew on in terms of like how it's presented compared to Army of Shadows being moody you know Paris streets or whatever so um how about it joey um was ivan's childhood a little bit of a breath of fresh air 
I liked it more, especially um, all of the insanely good cinematography. Uh-huh. But I also found it to not be very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, I mean, it's a little, it's pretty slow in parts. I mean, parts, the whole thing, but it's only an hour and a half compared to 7 million hours <laughs> long. So, um, so, but at least, um, yeah, I mean, it was, I would watch it again before I watched Army of Shadows. So, um, but, so know, tar- it's go- it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous for for sure. So uh, Tark, he made this in 1962. This was his first feature film. Um, he only made seven films altogether. Um, some really good stuff in there, like Stalker and Solaris and stuff that I'd love to introduce you to at some point. But I just kind of wanted to get, like, I feel like if you built up like some sort of like familiarity with him, like before you get into some of his more challenging stuff. Maybe it'd be a little more palatable. So that's kind of my perspective on that. And with this movie, it really felt like... So, you know, he's from Soviet Russia. And he went to, like, the Soviet School of Film, I believe. That's what I remember hearing from all the stuff I've heard about Tark. And um, so it kind of... To me, it feels like he put, like, every trick in the bag he had in terms of cinematography into this movie. Because it is just just totally jam-packed with, like, awesome shots. Which was... God, it's it's just a beautiful film. I mean, we'll probably be going through like our favorite shots here in a second, but let me just get into the story real quick. Essentially, it's about this kid in uh, Russia during World War II, and he is like all gung ho to help Russia perform these like rec- reconnaissance missions against the Nazis because like his small size, he's able to sneak around pretty easily, and. So the film jumps back and forth between like in the thick of World War II where he's like, you know, been crawling through like the swamp, all dingy, dirty, like doing these missions. And then it'll flash back to like him as a child or like a little bit younger before the war. And it was like summertime and he has a shirt off and he's like just doing all these fun things, running around with his mom, you know, having a good old time, just remembering childhood. And so, I mean, it's pretty on surface level thematically in terms of like this is about like the loss of innocence due to war like the horrors of war you know he's getting you know getting brought into this conflict he can no longer live life as a child so i mean the themes are very upfront there but um and the slow parts kind of come in the fact that like you know he's he's kind of crawling through the bog in the very opening, they find him. They're like, hey, what are you doing there? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm running these support missions. And they get, like, that confirmed. And, like, there's kind of a lot of back and forth with him and the folks running, like, the um, the military headquarters there in Russia. So you get a lot of stuff like that that takes a lot of time and kind of slows things down. But then you get into some, like, the really, really great camera work in this movie. So the first one for me is the well. I think that's in a flashback. Like the camera is like at the very bottom of this well, like looking up at him and his mom, like getting water. And it, I mean, I just like dream of actually being creative enough to capture visuals. Like, cause I, I, I do a lot of photography myself and like, sometimes I just do not fathom how he pulled off like some of the camera work he does. Um, any moments in particular that 
caught your eye or anything about the story, Joey, that you wanted to talk about? Um, the the scene from from the well was really good. Um, the the scene where the plane is stuck straight up in the dirt. Yeah. Um, the the scene with the apples. Yeah. Like on the from the I guess it's a truck or a cart. Mm-hmm. And then towards then the, the end. Yeah, and then the horses come and eat them. Um, and then I, I see that you wrote about you know the one where the where the soldier has got the the girl and he's kissing her over the trench and like mm-hmm. I wasn't so much paying attention to the cinematography there so much I was like this dude is trying so hard and this girl <laughs> is just having no part of it she's like just get away from me and he is just like yeah. nah I'm gonna have you basically <laughs> yeah he's um, he's kind of he's kind of a creeper but um yeah all of a sudden he takes her over that uh. I mean, as, as creepy as he is, like, it does get a little romantic in the fact that, like, I th- and I think this is one of my favorite shots in, like, all of Tarkovsky's work is so, like, he's straddling, like, this trench in this, like, beautiful birchwood forest. And, like, the shot, like, goes down into the trench, which looks immaculate. But then the shot comes out of the trench. And then, like, you see her, like, get, um, like, she, he, like, stops holding her and she, like, wanders off. And then all of a sudden, like, we get a close-up of her by a tree, and it's, like, one shot, and it all stays in focus. And I don't know how the heck he pulled that off, but it's pretty darn spectacular. Also, just that whole – the whole female character just – it seemed like her whole subplot was pointless and just there. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's like, he wants – I want a hot chick because, I mean, she was very attractive. Uh Um, It was like, I just need a hot chick in this movie – and here we go. And I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if, like, like okay, we need to do this Birchwood Forest scene because it looks amazing, and we got to do. I have to have my trench kiss. So here we go. Which <laughs> I can see how that you know doesn't really belong in the story, but it looks so awesome. I, I give it a pass. <laughs> I mean, it just with so much of the rest of the movie, you know, being so slow, and you just have this stuff that's not contributing. I mean, there are so many other great shots where, you know, they're going through the bog and the boats or just wherever, and you see these bombs dropping and then the bombs hit, but you don't see explosions of dirt and that kind of stuff. And I don't, you know, know what kind of budget they're working with and that kind of stuff back then. Yeah, pretty and, you know, I can, and, you know, I can kind of let that slide. It's just, you know, you're used to, you know, you see a bomb go off and you're like, Oh, there's explosions and, or, you know, you at least, sure. you know, you, destruction from it in some case you know they walk up and there was a bomb um now you did see some destruction you know the uh, ivan had ran away and he's at this man's house and the man all he got left is his door and like his chimney and his stove and he's like looking for his wife and like the whole Mm -hmm. that's all that's left and you know that was kind of a like a gut-wrenching scene and you know the soldiers come and find ivan and he leaves like the bread and stuff for him but um and that's my, I think my third favorite shot, or not in any particular order. Um, it's on the Criterion cover. It's like him at the very end of like this house, and like there's all these like jagged pieces of wood that like frame him perfectly, which looks pretty awesome. And then the last one is that um, I think it's like a wire cross that we see with like the shut the sun shining through it. Pretty awesome stuff. And just overall, like the the use of lighting and shadows and stuff in black and white films. I mean, we've talked about it before, and. And like Kurosawa's work, but I mean, I think that Tarkovsky pulls it off just as well. 
All right. Um, oh, a fun fact. So, like, so this is your first Tarkovsky film. Uh, his next film, uh, Andrzej Brublev, like the climax of that film is all about like raising a bell. And so there was actually kind of a, a little moment where there's a bell raised in this movie. So I'm wondering if like in the back of his mind, he's just like, I'm going to do this in my next movie on a much greater scale. So I don't know. Could be, could be not. Maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but I don't think so. Maybe in this next movie, it was just a callback. Not just a callback since it's apparently the climax, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a huge part, but, um, yeah, maybe he was, he was, the wheels were turning already. Um, the scene where he's like in, in that room and like, it's all dark and he's like reading the side of the walls where like people were like trapped in there and about to get killed. That was, that was pretty, um, a pretty creepy moment that kind of gets us gets us ready toward the end because I think that's what inspires him to want to go out on another mission again towards the end. And then yeah, it kind of flashes forward some and then like the Russians, they've uh taken Berlin and they see like all these dead children outside. So a little foreshadowing, we probably know what happened with poor little Ivan and we see his picture and yep, he's no more. And like we flash back to a scene of you know, it's the good old days with him and his mom. And um, I mean, as much of the good, I mean, I'll talk about the good cinematography all day long, but I guess I do have to mention the that rear projection shot in the back of the Apple truck, I believe it is. Like, it might have been raining or whatever, but yeah, that was pretty obvious. But I think rear projection was pretty commonplace enough back in the 60s to where, like, people were used to seeing that. Um, I mean, it didn't bother me, but it's just like, oh, there's rear projection. Are you familiar with that term? Mm, no, not particularly. You know, like I might know what it is, but the term isn't familiar. You most commonly would see it in like old movies where like couples are like driving in a car and you'll look in the background and you can like clearly tell that the background is like another like piece of video playing. Oh, okay. Got you. Yeah. Yep. Rear projection. Yep. 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 All right. Um, yeah, so I admit it's slow at times, but man, the I'll say over and over again, I love the camera work in this movie. Yeah, I think this one's a solid four stars for me. I mean, I gave it three literally off of the camera work. Nice. Yep, hopefully, uh, Vince, I mean, we're we're moving away from challenges, but um, yeah, hopefully I can get you. Has uh, Carl seen any of Tarkovsky? He saw this one. Okay. With, with me. Okay. He did not... Uh, he was out of town yesterday when I watched uh, Army of Shadows, so he didn't he didn't see that one with me. But um, but he wants to because I mean, he loved La Samurai like I did. Yeah. Um, so I mean I think at some point he'll get around to watching that. Um, but so nice. All right, so I guess it's time for me to open this box. All right, so Without further ado, we've done a lot of challenges here. And we've done a lot of genres here. This is expanding into a genre I don't think we have not covered here. It's a genre I don't think I've ever heard you talk about watching. It is not Takashi Miike, um, for the record. All right. it is, um, but you are on base that I do like to make the things, uh, the quotes and the challenge movies go hand in hand. This is a movie I have not seen in about five years. 
And I can't wait for your reaction here when you see this movie, and I can't wait for your reaction when you watch it. Um, I'm I'm pretty stoked. Um, All right, so I am I opening figures... a so I am yeah. opening a yes. box. They have some green little uh, air uh, padding here to make it, um, you know, so the DVDs don't get messed up. This is the first time I'm seeing my brand new Inland Empire DVD, which you had already told me about. Yes. So I will have to watch Inland Empire again. Do you own this one as well? No. Okay. I've no. seen this once. Um, it's very, very weird Lynch. So I do uh, look forward to getting back to this one. And like you had said, this one is double wrapped. Don't open until my next challenge. Well, and since this the is moment my last has arrived, challenge <laughs> for this season and for at least for now. I figured I'd go big or go home. Um, okay. I feel a feeling you're not going to have heard of this movie, which is why I sent it to you. Um, also, impossible to like stream. So. Okay. I'm looking at the yeah. back. It is a Blu-ray. Um, yes. There appears to be a very bloody samurai on the back, and I'm flipping it over to find out what it is, and it's called... Tokyo Gore Police. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, huh. And uh, you can see on the front there, it stars uh, the same lady who was in Audition. So that's oh, the yeah, tie. starring Ishii Shina from Audition. Okay. Yes. So this is um, a splatter movie, a Japanese splatter movie. Um, mm -hmm. Most notable, famous one is probably... Um, oh, wow. I literally just... <laughs> On the name of it is um is Ichi the Killer. Okay, um, I've heard it from Mickey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this one is, a, is a slightly different. Um, and we can go into that a little bit more once we've uh, watched it. Um, so I think you'll be in for a little bit of a wild ride, and hopefully you enjoy it. Um, huh. and it'll be a good uh, juxtaposition to the actual movie that we have to watch. Um. Whiplash. So yeah, yeah. Whiplash is the next feature. It's the only one left on your list, so it has to be. Um, yep. Yeah, that one's pretty crazy too. So it sounds like we have an interesting road ahead of us. Yep. Oh wow. See, we've got 123, which I mean, it seems like we've been talking longer than that, but um, is what it is. That's all right. Um. Yeah. Talk through Army of Shadows. Very minimalist. Very underwhelming. Um. Yeah. Introduced you to Tarkovsky. Um. You like the camera work, but you want more of a story, which he does have in his other films. So, a lot of metaphor too. A lot of slow. A lot of slowness in Tarkovsky. Definitely have to get over that. But um. Yep. Some of his other films have more. More chew on. So Tokyo Gore Police and will be <laughs> that's even funny to say in it. <laughs> Whiplash and Tokyo Gore Police. <laughs> yes, yes. That's uh I'm looking I am looking forward to your the, the your review style for this movie. Um <laughs> Okay. It's part of the reason that I picked it. And how would you uh how would you sum up my review style? You're very cerebral. Okay. Whereas I'm like, yo, this movie was really cool. This thing happened was dope. Um, the the camera work was pretty. You're like, you're like this was the A B C D E. Like you're very cerebral. I'm like, yo, this was dope. <laughs> All right, fair enough. 
All right. Thanks so much uh, for everyone that's following the show. If you want to join uh, the movie club, make sure you hit subscribe. And hey, get a copy of uh, Tokyo Gore Police and uh, check that out. And then everyone's seen Whiplash except for Joey. So rewatch that ahead of time. Yeah, I'm apparently <laughs> the only person who hasn't seen this movie. So, you know, hey, but if you're like me and you haven't, you know, do that too. And then, you know. It. You know, and um, while you're doing that, if you want to hit us up with a question to the show, send it to the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast at gmail.com or hit us up at our Facebook page and hit the email button. You don't have to type in all of those words. Um, yep. Or hit us in the comments below. Hit the subscribe button, all that cool stuff. We appreciate it. We want to hear from you. Or, you know, hit us on Letterboxd. There's tons of ways to get in contact with us, and we, we do really want to hear from you. We like having questions from our followers and our friends and all of that cool stuff. Nicely said. All right, everyone. Happy movie watching. Cheers. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Feeling. Spirit is I think this just might be my master.